You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. This program is a paid commercial announcement from Jacob Media Partners and does not reflect the views of WPHT or its management. Today's program is pre-recorded. This is Women to Watch. To rise above all of the noise and fulfill every last one of your dreams. Women to Watch, sharing the real stories of the most accomplished women in the world. It is for those frightened children who want peace. It is for those voiceless children who want change. Be inspired by women from across the globe. True philanthropy comes from living from the heart of yourself and giving what you have been given. Who are encouraging more women to pursue their dreams. What I know to be true is that women were always meant to lead. And by shining a light on those doing it well today, my hope is that more women will be inspired to use their own voice. Now, here's the owner, founder, and host of Women to Watch, Sue Rocco. Hello, everyone, and thanks so much for being with me for another week of Women to Watch. It's great to be back, as always, and uh, it looks like we might be seeing a light at the end of a very long year, um, and spring is on the horizon, so I'm feeling really excited. I hope you are as well. Joining me in just a moment will be Gina Bianchini, and Gina is the co-founder and CEO of Mighty Works, which is a, a new community platform for small to mid-sized brands to engage with their niche audience, I'll say. And I'm, I'm going to let Gina um, go into more depth about exactly what they offer. Um, as you know, when we go into our breaks, you'll hear from our watch team of on-air contributors bringing you news and inspiration from their own industry. Industries, and they're all women leaders at their companies, and we are always looking for more women to join us uh, and become a part of this unique watch team. So if you're interested in learning more, feel free to reach out to me at susan at womentowatch.net. We have openings right now both in our Philly and our New York market, so it's very exciting and we're expanding pretty quickly. As always, visit our website at womentowatch.net to sign up for our podcast and our newsletter and check out who's coming up on the show next. So now I'm thrilled and honored to welcome to the show again Gina Bianchini, founder and CEO of Mighty Networks. Gina, thanks so much for joining me this weekend. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. And I appreciate the kind of the last minute um, jumping in because I, I can't even imagine how busy you are right now with uh, a number of things that you're involved in, in addition to running this new platform. So, um, yeah. and I have a lot of questions for you. It's so, you know, I, I, Susan, I was also going to say, though, that, um, yes, I'm busy, but I'm not really 
going anywhere. So this right. was easy. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so it was actually like, like no matter how busy any of us are right now, it's like we can always carve out, you know, some time to have a, a, a interesting conversation with cool people. You're, you're a hundred percent right. Because where, where are we traveling? Really nowhere. (laughs) But I think we're getting closer. I really, I'm just feeling, um, so much more hopeful. And I, and I see that with, with all of my friends and family and, and colleagues as well. So we're just going to keep plugging along. And, um, how lucky are we to be able to continue to do our work, um, even in spite of the, the quarantine. So I, listen, I, I, you know, I've done my homework and dug in and read all about you, but I wanted to start what I, what I don't know too much about is your upbringing and your, um, family life growing up in California. So I wonder if you could just talk for a couple minutes about that community and what that was like. Yeah. So I grew up in Cupertino, California in the 1970s and 80s. And Cupertino is where Apple was founded and is is the um, main company in Cupertino, California, I will say that. Uh, it was all orchards. Uh, and when, when, I was, um, when I was growing up and it was, for, for example, my grandparents had moved there to open a nursery uh, in the 1950s. And what was so special about Cupertino and why, you know, one of one of four companies that have passed over a trillion dollars in value uh, got started there is because there was there was a really rich community and people following their interests, their passions, their goals. And so to me, that was always something that, that people did. My, my father restored old cars from parts. So we had, you know, a garage full of, of, of old cars. Um, and my mom raised guinea pigs. And then we, we had rabbits that we wow. showed. And, you know, we, it was always, you know, interesting and fun topics and things to explore. And, uh, and that was the environment I grew up in. So when the internet became a reality and all of a sudden there were an infinite number of niches and things that people could explore, it just all made a a tremendous amount of sense to me. Wow. That is so interesting. Um, so (laughs) tell me a little bit more about your mom and the raising of the guinea pigs. What, where did that come from? Were, Were you on a farm? Well, no, but it was not, um, it was not particularly urban either. So, you know, we, again, was all orchards and it was, you know, during the time I was growing up, the orchards were getting replaced by office, you know, technology in Silicon Valley office buildings. Okay. So, um, but no, my mom, my mom had a couple of guinea pigs and then decided that she wanted a lot more guinea pigs. And so, We had, we bred them and we raised them and we showed them and guinea pig, uh, shows, I guess. Uh, and it was just, it was, it was fun. There were all sorts of really cool people that we met along the way. I bet. Um, how about siblings? Did you have any brothers and sisters? (laughs) Oh yeah. Uh, so I have an older brother. I have a younger sister and that was sort of my, my nuclear family. And then, um, unfortunately when, when I was 11, um, my dad was killed in a, in a car accident, was uh, hit by a drunk driver. And so after that, my mom 
was briefly remarried, um, and I have a, another sister. And then my mom, in her sort of older age, has uh, adopted a lot of children. So I actually have seven adopted brothers and sisters. Wow. And they are wow. awesome. Wow. Well, Gina, I would say, first of all, I'm so sorry for the loss of your dad. Oh. And at 11 years old, that must be a very impactful part of your life story. Um, you know, you graduated with honors from Stanford. Your mm -hmm. career started at Goldman Sachs and you received an MBA from Stanford. So when yes. I read that and I see that, I, I was going to ask you how your upbringing lent itself to that pursuit of higher education. Um, yeah. Go ahead. My dad and my mom, actually, my mom was not the first in her, in her family to go to college, but my dad was the first in his family to go to college. Uh, and, you know, I always, my parents met actually at, at, at the University of California at Santa Barbara. And so I always knew I would go to college. Um, and when I had the opportunity to, to go to Stanford, you know, I, I took it, uh, and, and had a truly transformational experience there. I bet. Tell me, tell me what kind of lingering effect losing your dad like that at that age has had for you personally. Yeah. So I, I think one is that I've always felt that, you know, I, 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 I was always raised with the sense that I was going to, I had the opportunity to do something meaningful and important. Uh, you know, I had the opportunity to lead. And I think, you know, I learned, I mean, my mom is incredible and so interesting. And so much of what I do in my job, I, I'm, I wouldn't be able to do it if it wasn't for my mom. And yet my dad really taught me so much as well, even though I had, you know, much less time with him in terms of leadership, following your passion. And I regularly, I think now as, as I've, you know, evolved my career, I don't feel like I'm just doing it for me. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that that's just something that I'm sure I'm not alone in, um, in believing and feeling and and that's important to me yeah I, I you know that's so true about i think that most and and i'll say women in particular i think just innately have a desire to make the world a better place and we don't always know how we're supposed to do that so um Tell me about, you know, what your aspirations were when you went off to school and you got that MBA and clearly you, you have the intellectual abilities. Um, what were your thoughts as a young woman then about just what you wanted to do career wise? Yeah. So, you know, in terms of making the world, I think, I think it's not just women. I think it's, it's people. Uh, and I think that that's actually important. Uh, and then in terms of my goal, I, I originally thought that I would, you know, I, I always had a belief that I would run something, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't sort of envision myself working as, as a, a middle manager at a big company. That was, that was sort of never my intention. 
But what I originally felt comfortable believing was that I could, I don't know, run a not-for-profit. And what I realized is that business is one of the most important functions in terms of ultimately driving what the world is and and what it becomes. And so when I was a junior in college, I basically was like, I think I'm going to go into this business thing. Uh, (laughs) Whatever that is, this business world. I'm like, I'm going to explore this. Put on a suit and... and (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uh, And so that is what I did. And I, I love it. I love the opportunity to build. I love the opportunity to generate new resources um, from serving customers, just the whole flywheel of um, creating value uh, is super important to me. And I love it. Well, you know, I'm always so impressed with with women who have that belief or confidence at a young age, you know, because it took me quite a long time um, to to believe in myself. And so when young girls are are feeling that um, at a young age, I'm always wanting to figure out where where did that come from? Is it was it something taught? Was it someone who believed in you? Sometimes I think it's someone who who sees something in you that maybe you don't. Um, so was there someone that if I were to ask you who believed in you when you were growing up, would that be your mom? I, I mean, yes, but I believed in myself. Okay. You know, I, I, I don't remember a time when I didn't think that I was capable of leading. Uh, and, and if, if anything, I feel like sports had the most to do with that, confidence, that belief, and that ability to focus on a, a bigger goal. Hmm. Tell me what you participated in sports-wise. Yeah, so when I was a kid, I played soccer, I ran track, and I also was a race walker. I, I did race walking uh, wow. when I was in elementary school. Yeah, That's and it's a super thing. weird. <laughs> yeah, it, it actually is an Olympic sport. Uh, and we had a friend of the family who was an Olympic race walker. And so I was like, I want to be like Tom. And so I, uh, learned how to race walk. And that was, um, that was really exciting. And then, uh, and then, (laughs) but I played soccer. And then when I got to high school, my high school had a really great field hockey team. So I played field hockey and then I went on and I played at Stanford and, just loved my time playing field hockey. I agree with you. I think sports are really good um, for for young girls in particular. And um, tell me what your competitive drive is, competitive nature. Is that a part of your DNA that you think has also led to some of your successes? Absolutely. And this is, if anything, I think that... Being unapologetically ambitious is not easy, especially as a woman. Mm-hmm. But at the same point in time, it is it is that drive to win that allows us to uh, certainly allows me to build something out of nothing, uh, which is you know fundamentally what it means to be an, an entrepreneur and. When you think about the technology industry and and doing a startup in 
in the technology industry. Remember, you know, Silicon Valley broadly defines uh, really attracts the top 00001% of the most competitive people in the world. And if you don't have that kind of competitive nature uh, or nurture, um, it's going to be hard to win. Yeah. You know, when I think about the field that you're in, in particular, you know, a um, social media community platform, launching a new platform like that is such a huge, risky endeavor. And when we come back, we're going to go into our first break. I really want to ask you about where that belief came from in you that you could pull that off. And you did. Um, so stay with us for uh, my interview with Gina Bianchini and stay in touch for our watch team. We'll be right back. Now the women to watch health watch for health watch. I'm Dr. Marianne Ritchie March trisomy awareness month. What is trisomy? Well, most people inherit 23 pairs of chromosomes, but some have a condition that causes extra partial or full chromosomes. Extra chromosomes can cause a range of health problems, learning difficulties, as well as delays in physical development. There are several forms, but the one you're most familiar with is TRI21, or Down syndrome. Down syndrome is a condition, not a disease. And just like any other person, each child and adult with Down syndrome is unique, with his or her own gifts that should be celebrated and cultivated. This morning on Your Radio Doctor, I spoke to three outstanding mothers. Mary Stevens, the mother of a daughter with Down syndrome, was frustrated by the time and energy it took to find the right team of doctors and therapists. So Mary Stevens, the doctor, started her own clinic. Children and adults with Down syndrome often have decreased muscle tone and need physical therapy throughout life, occupational therapy, often speech therapy. Mary's Clinic at Jefferson offers all of these specialists. Katie Keating, a nurse and mother of 10, whose youngest child, Luke, has Down syndrome. He's a junior at Haverford High School, loves to play sports, and he's the altar server at his church. The other nine kids always turn to Luke when they have a worry. He's the brother who listens and loves. When Children's Hospital of Philadelphia opened a trisomy clinic in 2003, it was Helen Milligan, a physical therapist, who suggested full-time physical therapy at the clinic and has been their champion for 18 years. She also coaches volleyball for Special Olympics. Her son, Aiden, also with Down syndrome, is a superstar. A senior at Haverford High School, he swims for their team and the Special Olympics. In the school band, he plays trombone and drums, and he's in the school plays, and he flips burgers one night a week at a nearby restaurant. Be enlightened and inspired by these families who celebrate the joy and the pride of inclusion of all God's children. If you have a family member with Down syndrome, so many programs offer help. Listen on our website, yourradiodoctor.net. The Jefferson Continuing Care Program for ages 14 through adults, Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, specialolympics.org, and the Buddy Walker Chop at ndss.org. Now the women to watch, Legal Watch. This is Nicole Hittner at Ballard Spar for your Legal Watch. While the world has been hyper-focused on vaccine availability and laws regulating vaccines, another major legal development has been happening behind the scenes, changes in tax law. Congress and the Biden administration are turning their attention to tax policies, and there's a good chance they'll affect you, your business, and you individually. Ballard is hosting a CLE titled Looking Ahead to the Tax Front After COVID-19 Relief Legislation on March 25th. Join us by registering at BallardSpar.com for free. 
One thing that surprised many of my fellow Minnesotans, for example, is that if their PPP loan is forgiven, that forgiven amount is taxed as income. There are many surprising twists and turns in the wake of the behemoth amount of relief provided to Americans over the last year, and you don't want to miss this seminar. The tax laws can and will impact you directly, but your legal team at Ballard Spar can help you navigate these laws. Stay tuned to Women to Watch and me, Nicole Hitner, for your legal watch. This is Women to Watch with Sue Rocco, Talk Radio 1210, WPHT. Welcome back to the show. I'm talking to Gina Bianchini this weekend, founder and CEO of Mighty Networks. In the first segment, we really um, learned a little bit more about your upbringing, Gina, and um, quite eclectic. And um, I did, I wanted to start this segment off with, you know, the, just the simple fact that what you have done launching a, a network like this in this kind of environment is really um, a huge risk. So, what was it about? First, I want to know when the kind of um, catalyst was for your idea to do it, and and why did you think that you'd be able to pull it off? Yeah, so it's a great question. So I've never viewed what I'm doing as risky. No. Um, so so if anything, I probably I might just be uh, living in an alternative reality. Uh, but I, I've never, <laughs> that's a good I've tactic. Never, yeah, I've never I've never looked at what I'm doing as risky. I, I and, and my background, you know, as an entrepreneur was that I started a platform before Mighty Networks. Right. That was that was uh, called Ning and mm-hmm. it gave people a way to create their own social networks back in two thousand and seven. Okay. And I absolutely fell in love with the customer that we serve, which are you know, brands and creators and small business owners or individual entrepreneurs that want to build communities, uh, want to run today online courses, build memberships, build subscriptions, and ultimately bring people together in their own community um, away from the noise and clutter of social media. So we're not a social media platform. And bring people together to master something interesting or important to them, whether that's in their career, whether that's in health, their wellness, their spiritual practices, uh, other important interests from personal finance to parenting. These are all the kinds of interests that are being explored and relationships are being built and made, um, again, all led by brands and creators. And when I think about where where this world is going, where, where we have the potential to have an impact on um, living in a world where there are not, you know, a handful of social media platforms, but rather millions of unique and vibrant communities mastering something interesting or important together, led by brands and creators and, and funded or fueled by digital subscriptions and digital payments. I can't imagine a single better thing to be spending my time and energy on. Um, that is, that is both just an, imagine all of us could find just that perfect community online for us and to have it be different and unique and, you know, just something that we can't get anywhere else. And so when I think about that vision of, of, you know, where, where we want the world to go and what we want to be helpful in making happen. It's not risky at all. It's, it's, if anything, an imperative 
that we spend our time and effort on this. And maybe I'm just a boring person, but I can't imagine a better use of my of my time than having this big, meaty mission and goal of unlocking millions of unique and vibrant communities. Uh, and, and so I, I don't spend a lot of time thinking about the risk of it. I don't spend a lot of time thinking about all the things that could go wrong. Uh, I think about instead we need to, you know, break through walls so that we can bring this, bring this opportunity to more and more people around the world. You know, Gina, I think I I love what you're doing so much. And one of the reasons is because I am someone who naturally um, gets overwhelmed easily with the flood of information um, and places that I can visit on a daily basis to go get information or be entertained or just to stay in the loop with what's out there. You know, I just love that. But at the same time, feel as though it's, it's very easy to get distracted distracted. So mm-hmm. I would imagine that small niche networks versus, you know, other things that are out there really will help people stay more focused on what matters yeah. to them. Yeah, we, we absolutely see this uh, across the, the thousands of mighty networks that exist, um, you know, under their own brand, bringing their own people together. Uh, and, you know, if you think about what, what social media is, is it's a it's a competition for all of our attention. And in any, you know, from post to post, it's basically a bunch of people competing for any one of our, our attention. Right. And so when, when I, when I look at that and I think about that, you know, that's not how we learn. That's not how we master new and important things. That's not how we build deeper, more meaningful relationships. You know, there's, there's a reason why, you know, you don't host a, an offsite or a workshop or a retreat in the middle of Times Square. And you need to have the these immersive experiences. All of us need these immersive experiences to build deeper relationships, to have more meaning and purpose in our lives. And if if anything, I think, you know, that 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 competition for our attention has not actually brought us to a better place. Correct. I I agree with you. And, you know, the other thing is that um, so much of what's out there um, seems contrived. And and I'm always looking for things that kind of just as as far as conversations, engaging with people, I I am drawn to things that just kind of arise naturally, spontaneously. And so I think what you're also doing is giving brands, people the ability to really stay in their very unique, original space and, and, and stay focused on it. Because just as you said, you're believing so much in your mission that's some great advice for other entrepreneurs that want to launch something, do something, and get distracted by the competition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, you know, having a clear picture of what you want the world to look like when you are successful is one of the most important things any of us can have as, as, as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, as a community builder, 
as someone in our, you know, who wants to have a positive impact on the people around us. And that I think is really where, where any of us can get energy, can get motivation, can get inspiration. And look, if you're going to focus on the competition, if you're going to, there's always going to be more reasons why you can't do something versus the reasons why you can or should. Right. Uh, And that's okay. That doesn't mean that you're wrong or you should give up. And, and if anything, you know, uh, one of the things that I've found, and certainly one of the things I, I teach, I teach a a community design masterclass, we call it, and over 4,000 creators and brands and solo entrepreneurs and people who are just exploring community building um, have taken this, this course. And one of the things that I just stress over and over and over again is one setting achievable goals, like don't start by saying, oh, I have to have 100,000 followers or else like I, I can't do what it is I want to do. The reality is you can start with just having a positive impact on 10 people and using that positive impact that you have with those 10 people to make it a positive impact you can have on 100. Right. And then yes. a thousand. Yeah. Um, and, and, and not getting discouraged by what you don't have, but rather celebrating the small victories of the of an ever increasing and ever building foundation mm. of of strength mm-hmm. and positive impact and learning is really where the magic can happen. Yeah, I mean, so would you say you know a slow build is much more sustainable than kind of a big opening splash where you might gain the attention well, of a you know a large number, but then eventually they move well, on to the I, next platform. The- Right. But, but here's the thing, the big splash, first of all, it's just not realistic. Uh, it's not realistic. It, it, it is a one in 10 million shot. Like you might as well be playing the lottery, but I don't look at it as necessarily a slow build. I look at it as how do you build a strong foundation and then just build on that foundation and you do so with achievable goals. And that is how we each can create so much more than we think is possible today. You know, Gina, one of the um, hardest things when you launch something new is the fundraising and get pulling a team together, mm-hmm. getting the right people on board. Mm-hmm. Um, I would imagine your experience in, um, you know, with Ning and, and other things that you're involved with, you already had a great network, but a lot of our listeners are, are women who, who are kind of on the doorstep to, to starting something new themselves. Tell us what was the very first thing you did when, when you, you, you envisioned this community platform, where did you go first? What was the first step? Yeah. So, so I'm going to answer that in a slightly different way, which, which would be, what would I do today? Uh, versus versus sort of what I what I had done in the past. Uh, I think the number one mistake most people make when they're thinking about starting something new is they they start by thinking, oh, I have to build a product or oh, I have to raise money. Those you you actually in 2021 you you, you don't need either one of those things. The, the best way to build a new effort, a uh, new company, you know, validate that you, that there's demand for a new product is to 
either start a Shopify store and sell it, you know, sell something directly or build a community where you are bringing your prospective customers together in one place. In other words, you know, in, in Silicon Valley, there's a concept called an MVP, a minimum viable product. I believe that that has shifted almost 100% uh, or 180 degrees, whichever way you want to look at it, from uh, product to who are your most valuable people that you want to serve. And if you can start by really understanding who you want to serve and, and what they want or need from something new that they're not getting in their lives, uh, you can actually bootstrap. You don't need to raise money. To, you don't need to quit your full-time job before you can start to experiment and stay curious and try new things in serving that segment of people. We call them your ideal members. And in, in doing that, you have so much more opportunity to create something super special for the people that you want to serve bringing a community into the world that needs to exist, helping people achieve results and transformation they simply can't get on their own and want. Um, all of that can be done without building or writing a line of code or selling, you know, a, a physical product or, uh, or going out and trying to raise money because raising money, no matter who you are is difficult. And, and what I would say if I was starting from scratch, even today where I have a great network and I have access to capital, I would start with people. I would build a, uh, a community or a membership or sell an online course. I would generate revenue from that and income from that. And I would use that as the basis for determining where and how I could have the, the biggest positive impact in people's lives to get them results and transformation that they cannot simply get on their own. You know, it reminds me of, um, so I was listening to a podcast that you had done and I forget the gentleman's name. I think it was Christopher. Um, and he shared a quote about, you know, be, be the brand people want to spend time with. Those brands are successful. So explain to our listeners what's meant by that. And I think that speaks to what you just described. It really is about, you know, what, what am I putting out there that a certain group of people want um, that they can't get anywhere else? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's really well said. Um, tell me, you know, you've said that you have a different view on what people want from from a social network. What is that? Uh, well, I'm not sure I have a different view on what people want from a social network. I think what is happening today is that when you just look at uh, when you look at just the adoption of new uh, social experiences, whether that's something like an audio social network like Clubhouse or certainly the growth of, of individual mighty networks. Um, what what I think is so interesting is that there is demand for new things. We are, you know, after 10 years, after spending 10 years scrolling a Facebook feed or an Instagram feed on our phones, we're tired of doing that. Yes. We, we want new social experiences and new ways of meeting people and new forms of creativity and, and, uh, and creation. 
Um, you see that whether it's with the success of Roblox or you see that with the success of uh, of new, you know, new creative platforms. We're seeing that, uh, you know, we we tripled in size in one year uh, across Mighty Networks in terms of new Mighty Networks, in terms of members joining Mighty Networks. I mean, it, this is just a, a really special moment in time for creating new things and new experiences. And I think that that is going to be something that is not going to slow down anytime soon. That's great. Listen, we're going to go into our next break. If you're just tuning in, I'm talking to Gina Bianchini, the founder and CEO of Mighty Networks. Stay with us for our watch team. We'll be right back. Now the women to watch, military watch. Hi. I'm Carol Eggert, Senior Vice President of Military Affairs at Comcast NBC Universal. Each time a girl opens a book and reads a womanless history, she learns that she is worth less. History helps us learn who we are, but when we don't know our own history, our power and dreams are immediately diminished. Multicultural American women are overlooked in most mainstream approaches to U.S. history. Fortunately, there are many efforts to champion the accomplishments of women and lead the drive to write women back into history. Recognizing the achievements of women in all facets of life, science, the military, government, literature, art, sports, medicine, has a huge impact on the development of self-respect and new opportunities for girls and young women. America's military women have always stood among the ranks of freedom's defenders. From saboteurs on the Revolutionary War battlefields to women leading soldiers and airmen in today's war in Iraq and Afghanistan, and women have stepped forward to serve and in many cases die for their country. Women have helped define the concept of what it is to be strong. They have contributed to what the Army now calls Army Strong. These soldiers possess mental, physical, and emotional strength. These attributes are not limited by gender. The experiences of American military women were frequently in the vanguard of social and political conventions of the generations in which they lived. Their stories are the stories of women who have served the country before they were formally accepted as part of the nation's military, and even before they shared the civil liberties guaranteed to male citizens. In 1782, Deborah Sampson put on male clothing and adopted the name Robert Shirtliff. She enlisted in the 4th Massachusetts Regiment for a term of three years. Deborah is the first woman known to enlist as a soldier in the American Army. She was wounded in her left thigh during the Battle of Tarrytown. To keep her secret safe, she treated herself, but later came down with a fever and was sent to a hospital where a doctor discovered her gender. He told no one, but requested a medical discharge for her. She later married and had a family. Then, in 1792, her neighbor, Paul Revere, passed a resolution granting her 34 pounds bearing interest from the date of her discharge as Private Robert Shirtliff from the Continental Army. And John Hancock, President of the Assembly, approved the resolution granting her a pension. So next week, I'll share the story of the only woman to receive the Medal of Honor. Since 1858, Mount St. Joseph Academy has been educating girls to be leaders, founders, and independent thinkers. Students are taught to be collaborative, courageous, compassionate, confident, and spiritual. 
In this student-centered environment, the young women are transformed by recognizing their own potential and are encouraged to use it to make a difference in the world. To learn more about Mount St. Joseph Academy, go to www.msjacad.org or call 215-233-3177. That's msjacad.org or 215-233-3177. Now, the women to watch, PR Watch. Hey, everybody. Mindy Barnett, motivational and keynote speaker coming at you. I'm going to talk to you a little bit today about the importance of reading between the lines. Hearing loss to me was by far one of the worst ailments I've been dealt to date. I first noticed issues with my hearing when I was struggling to hear TV at night. It bothered me, but my business and hectic lifestyle always were taking over. So when I eventually was having issues with everyday conversations, it was obvious I had to go to some sort of doctor to deal with a real problem. So I was then sent to an ENT, and there I took a hearing test, which I thought I ate. But when the doctor came in to meet me, he was carrying a box of tissues. The good information he shared was that I did not have an ear infection. However, he did have some bad news, and that was that I had severe hearing loss, and he was recommending that I needed hearing aids to speak clearly. I needed to hear. I needed to hear for life. I needed to hear for work. I needed to work not only because my work gives me purpose, but I needed to provide for my family and sustain our livelihood. So back then, the diagnosis left me feeling vulnerable because no one, no known cause, which it came out to be, there was no real way to prevent future hearing loss. You know, we all live in a mysterious world. No one knows the future in our relationships, if they're going to last, if our money's going to run out, how long we live. We're all seeing that right now unfold in the COVID climate we're in. Getting up every day, putting your best foot forward and showing up, never really knowing how long you'll really have to reap the world takes lots of courage, lots of courage. And it's a certain amount of strength to check on, never knowing what will actually be. You have it. You're here listening to me speak right now. You're learning, living, and looking upward. For more information on this message and lots of more, check me out at MindyBarnett.com or Instagram at Mindy.Barnett. See you next time. This program is a paid commercial announcement from Jacob Media Partners and does not reflect the views of WPHT or its management. Today's program is pre-recorded. This is Women to Watch. To rise above all of the noise and fulfill every last one of your dreams. Women to Watch, sharing the real stories of the most accomplished women in the world. It is for those frightened children who want peace. It is for those voiceless children who want change. Be inspired by women from across the globe who are encouraging more women to pursue their dreams. True philanthropy comes from living from the heart of yourself and giving what you have been given. Now, here's the owner, founder, and host of Women to Watch, Sue Rocco. Welcome back. I'm talking to Gina Bianchini. This weekend, founder and CEO of Mighty Networks. Again, it's a community, and correct me if I'm wrong, this is how I'm describing it, a community platform for creators and brands 
uh, to offer courses, events, content, and memberships all in one place. So let's, um, I want to give you the opportunity to, to be more clear with our listeners. What exactly is that? And how is it different from just a website? Yeah, it's a great question. So it is actually similar to a website. So when when we talk about under a brand or creator's uh, own URL or you know domain name or on their own mobile apps, the difference rather than going to Facebook or going to Instagram on a a brand or a creator or a, a, a executive coach or a fitness studio or yoga studio or somebody who um, you know knows how to teach a course on knitting or working on your cars you can use a mighty net you can come and set up a mighty network uh, under your own brand and so it's similar to what you would set up on a Squarespace website or a Shopify store but in our case not only do you get you know a, a website that people can go to and and um, and see, you also have the ability to to sign up as a member of that brand's community and meet other members with direct messaging and participate in a course, see people's profiles, uh, join uh, groups within that Mighty Network. And so it's all of these things, attend events, RSVP, put them on your calendar. So it's all of these different things that you can choose which ones are right for you. And you can always grow into other features as, as you can over time. So when, yeah, you're really keeping people when people come to your, I'll say platform. Yeah, yeah they're not leaving yeah. ever to go to another. Correct. Platform. And, and what's nice about that is it means that you can run the equivalent of virtual workshops or retreats or uh, courses and community all in one place, all under your brand and instantly available on both the web as well as native mobile apps. Okay. So it's, it is, it, think about it as a, a website, a Squarespace website on steroids. <laughs> there you go. Um, so let's, can you give us an example? Give us an example of one of the businesses that's on your site and what they offer. Sure, sure. So, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll share, at least the first one I'll share is uh, there is a YouTube star uh, whose channel is called Yoga with Adrian, and it is an amazing yoga channel. Uh, she and, and her team also sell, you know, a, a, a video app of of a yoga practice, and they have a companion mighty network called Find What Feels Good Kula, and it's a private community. It has over 200,000 people, you know, that are members of this community and in the community, they're meeting and, and building relationships with other yoga practitioners, other folks that are started as fans or followers of yoga with Adrian, but want to go deeper and go deeper with other members, uh, and, and that they have events within the community, they have conversations, they have articles, they have video, all in one place, again, all on even their own mobile app. So you can go into the app store and look for Find What Feels Good Kula. Uh, and it is a pretty special place. Every 
every January they do a 30-day yoga ch- uh, challenge. And so they grow really rapidly and then they spend the rest of the year just me- members are meeting and building relationships with each other. Mm, yeah. uh, another great <laughs> example of a, of a Mighty Network, again, another uh, example of a companion Mighty Network is something called Art Snacks and the Art Snacks community. And Art Snacks is a subscription box that shows up at your house with art supplies every month. And what are you going to do with art supplies? You're going to make art. And so you take pictures of it and they have monthly challenges and you post them in the art snacks community, which is powered by a mighty network. Um, the last example I'll give, which again, I just think is a, a really special community is something called the slow AF run club. And it was started by, um, uh, a great inspirational guy named Martinez Evans. And Martinez has a, uh, a 35,000 person strong Instagram following under an account called 300 pounds and running. And the slow AF running club is the destination community for, uh, back of the pack runners, slow runners and runners who are just getting started with running. And today, not only does he have this amazing community, but he's been throughout COVID running virtual races and organizing, you know, while we can't run marathons together for people to be able to go and, and participate in, um, in, their own virtual races, as well as he's launching training programs. So if you've never run before and you're like, where do I go to find a a supportive community, the right program so I don't hurt myself if I'm starting to run uh, for the first time, the Slow AF Run Club is the perfect place to go. And it's powered by a mighty network. Do they offer speed walking? (laughs) <laughs> Maybe uh, that's the place to start, race, right? You mean race walking? Uh, I'm no, sorry, race not. walking. But oh, uh, well. but it but it's it's a fine line, Susan. It's a fine line. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Gina. One of the things I love about just um, the way you work and the way you work with other people is that c- remaining in the flow as a company is a priority to you. How do you do that? Yeah. So, so just to take, take a step back and, you know, what do we, what do, what do I mean? And and what do we mean by that? So, you know, one of the things that we know is, you know, we do our best work and also have the most satisfaction, uh, when we're in a state of flow. And and what that basically means is you can, you know, those times where you're just kind of like working on a project or a puzzle or you're writing or you're reading and you just kind of lose track of time that's flow. And that is where the social science is really clear that, that we are, we are the most fulfilled. We are happiest. We are, we are finding that ability to focus in and and build something that we can be proud of. Uh, and so when we think about, you know, building our team at mighty networks, we want to create a culture and a, a schedule throughout the week where, members of our team can be in flow uh, like as much as possible. And right. so what does that mean yeah. in practice? It means being really thoughtful about offering people, you know, a schedule where there isn't like a random set of meetings throughout the day, 
but mm. instead we we uh, focus all of our meetings between 10, 10 a.m. and noon. Uh, and so folks can work before that, folks can work after that, but like nothing is more, you know this, like nothing is more annoying than like, oh, I have a 30 minute meeting at one o'clock and then I have another 30 minute meeting at three o'clock. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, okay, it's, great. Yeah. You yeah. know, that's yeah, awesome. It's, so it's a waste of time. No right. Yeah, exactly. Right. So, yeah. so we really try to find ways of avoiding that, uh, you know, as, um, uh, you know, as much as possible. And from, you know, what we're doing and how we're doing it, uh, really finding the opportunity for people to work on the things that they want to work on, tying, you know, making sure that from a schedule perspective, we're not doing meetings that don't need to happen. Uh, so we want to have as few meetings as possible, but no fewer is the way that we, yeah. we talk about it. <laughs> You're uh, all on your own. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. We need meetings. We definitely need meetings. They yeah. are they are very efficient. Yeah. Uh, but really making sure that we, we never turn into a company that, you know, you, you're multitasking during a meeting because you have no other time during the day to get any of your work done. Mm. That's so smart, Gina. I, I, I think um, as a whole, people are waking up to the, to the uh, fact that, you know, allowing your employees or your team, the people you're working with to um, be doing what, what they're good at and what they love to do more often is is really the answer. And it's amazing to me that it's taken so long um, as a society for us to figure that out. Even the, yeah. t- t- you know, even the, the, uh, the culture, right? So young people today, my millennial kids are always talking about, you know, the culture of a company and, you know, they go to an mm-hmm. interview and, and they're asking all the questions as opposed to <laughs> being interviewed, right? Tell me about your yeah. company, the visual space. It's all so important. And I- I'd love to know your thoughts on, I, I could talk about being in the flow all day long because I think it's where we really are meant to be. And I would describe it mm-hmm. as actually not mindfulness, but living outside of the mind because that's mm-hmm. where you're not overthinking. Um, did I read that you do yoga or I know that you, that you work out. Um, is that something that I helps you? I, I, I don't do yoga, but I certainly, you know, have a meditation practice. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, it's actually first thing in the morning. Um, there, it, I didn't realize that this thing had a name, but it, but I think I think it does. It's, it's, basically, I get up, grab some coffee, sit down with blank, you know, printer paper, and I and my favorite micro bic pen, and I just write <laughs> what's on. Like I, I write whatever I woke up thinking about. I write what's on my mind. I brainstorm, I, I think through, you know, different things and I get it all down on paper before I go into the day. And that's and at five, five thirty in the morning. Yeah. Did I, okay. Yeah. That's way, boy, is that early, but go ahead. It's early. <laughs> it, it, yeah. You know, but here, but here's the thing that's, you know, it, it's not like I'm getting up and, and, you know, I wake up now at five. <laughs> I'm like, why do you just waking up? Like, yeah. And so it's, it, you know, if, if it was later, that would be fine too. There's no reason that, uh, you know, I have, I have friends, uh, that are like, oh, I'm going to try to get up that early. And it's like, they're like, this does, this is not working for me. I'm like, that's fine. If I could sleep in longer, I would. It's Mm. not that I'm excited to be up. I'm just awake. You wake up. So you're not setting an alarm. You're, you're, that's your bio rhythm. 
that's my biorhythm at this point. Yep. Yeah. Do you, how many hours of sleep do you get? <laughs> I get roughly six to seven. Okay. That's reasonable. Yeah, it's yeah, it's not, you know, I go to bed pretty early, but but again, in part, I go to bed so early because I'm tired because I woke up at 5 a.m. So. Right. <laughs> I just don't like getting up in the dark, but that's yeah. a whole other thing. All right, listen, yeah, we're going to yeah, go yeah. into our last break. Stay with us for my interview with Gina Bianchini, the founder and CEO of Mighty Networks. Stay tuned for our watch team, and we'll be right back. Now, the women to watch. Tech Watch. Hi, I'm Mary Manso of Pathways Consulting Group. Last week, I talked about the lack of women in the technology industry and why it matters. To recap, when men and women work together, their complementary traits create innovation in the workplace, and technology is all about innovation. Although more companies are including women in their technology roadmap through succession planning, the percentages of women earning computer science degrees keeps decreasing. This approach won't solve the problem if women are not available for the roles. It's a vicious cycle. To break the cycle, we have to address the issue top-down and bottom-up in parallel. This week, we'll discuss some top-down approaches. Many organizations are taking action through gender equality programs and leadership development. Companies are pairing high-performing women with mentors regardless of gender. Mentors at a higher level in the organization help them prepare for their future and provide the visibility of what's needed to advance. Executives are insisting that non-discriminating policies be enforced. One client I work with doesn't reflect salaries to their hiring managers and controls all negotiations to ensure gender equality. Organizations like Women in Technology International are also addressing the issue. They inspire and advocate for women in the technology industry. This organization doesn't discriminate against gender, but instead works side by side to provide mentorship, to lead by example, to close the gender gap, and create interest for young women. Programs like this one, Women to Watch, are inspiring and encouraging more women to pursue leadership roles worldwide and influence women through their stories. There are more women advocacy organizations and mentorship programs being formed, and it's incredible. However, marrying the top down to a bottom-up approach is critical if we want to see results. Stay tuned for next week's segment where I'll address the bottom-up. You can reach me at mary at pathwayscg.com. Introducing Pathways Consulting Group, a company that will align your IT needs with your business goals. Pathways is a full-service ServiceNow partner. What does that mean? It's simple. Pathways will collaborate and design, develop, and deploy solutions for your company today that will define tomorrow. Pathways will provide world-class enterprise service management solutions. Pathways Consulting Group. They listen. They care. They execute. Go to PathwaysCG.com. That's PathwaysCG.com. Now, the women to watch. Marketing Watch. Hi, everyone. I'm Lynn Falconio for Marketing Watch. Last week, we talked about the role empathy plays in marketing. Ultimately, empathy is important because it builds trust and drives engagement. When people feel heard and know they can trust you, they're more likely to engage with your product or service. In other words, empathy fuels engagement. Engagement is the ultimate deliverable of marketing because engagement is what makes systems work and moves people to take action. We see this play out across many parts of our lives, like the workplace. A Google study found that psychological safety is the single most important factor in employee engagement. 
when employees feel psychologically safe, they were more engaged in the office and productivity skyrocketed. Take a look at civic engagement. In honor of observing Martin Luther King Day, Jr. in January, we remember the civil rights activist himself as a master in empathy engagement connection. MLK dedicated his life to preaching lessons in empathy, compassion, and equality. His I Have a Dream speech attracted more than 250,000 people and more than 3,000 members of the press. His speech stands the test of time as one of the most engaging moments ever delivered. A final example comes from education. Decades of research shows strong correlation between a student's classroom engagement and their academic and eventual professional outcomes. One of the most important factors was how connected the student felt to their teacher or professor. Students who felt cared for by faculty were more engaged and had better academic outcomes than those that did not. Whether it's a more productive workplace, a civil rights movement, or higher grades and better professional opportunities, engagement drives better outcomes. Tune in next week when we'll explore how we can take these real-world lessons in empathy and apply them to marketing. Until next time, I'm Lynn Falconio. Now, more of Women to Watch with Sue Rocco on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Thanks again for being with us. I'm speaking to Gina Bianchini, founder and CEO of Mighty Networks. And um, Gina, in this last segment, I wanted to talk to you about just, you know, being an entrepreneur. Here's my first question. As an entrepreneur, because you sound very steady, very grounded, very um, confident, Tell me what keeps you up at night. I mean, you know, one is as an entrepreneur, we all like I have to play play out the scenarios. So play out the, you know, the the future state where we're wildly successful and also play out the future state where, you know, why would we fail? And that is that's a difficult exercise to do. It's really important to do. And it's taken me time to, you know, to be okay with having those two and and multiple different futures in my head at one time. So that in and of itself will keep a person up at night. (laughs) (laughs) How about, tell me what, if I were to ask you, what are you most proud of, um, both from your personal life journey and professionally, what comes to mind? I think professionally that I have built teams that are, that have been meaningful to people that have created friendships and, and in some cases, you know, marriages that we we all can look back at what we've done and say we did something important we did something that we're proud of uh and then personally you know i would say i'm i'm proud of my friendships i'm proud of my you know relationship with my husband who's cool and i like him uh which is nice to (laughs) say after you know being married for 13 years and um and I, I feel like, you know, if I were to just sort of come, come full circle, you know, I do feel like I am living a life I am proud of, uh, and that has integrity and honor and one that I want to continue to build, um, 
important things, things that are, you know, that, that are meaningful to, in our case, the creators and brands using Mighty Networks as their, you know, their core system of record as they, as the, as the fancy term for it is. And also the members that are getting significant value out of being a part of the communities being created on Mighty Networks. Gina, can I ask you, do you have plans to build this up, um, you know, and then sell? Or, or do you see yourself with this company, you know, for the long haul? Yeah. I, I mean, look, as an entrepreneur, I never say never to, to you know, one thing or, or another because it's important to stay open. But w- mm-hmm. where I spent my, you know, spend the vast majority of my time is how are we going to create something that is a stand a large standalone platform that people can be wildly successful with? Yeah. Well, listen, I, um, I, I think you're going to continue to have success and, and you're living re- the ultimate, right? You're, you're doing work you love. It's meaningful. And, um, you know, I think that's something that we all strive for. So I, I wish you continued success. Yeah. I thank you so much for, for being on the show. And we'll be sure to share all the information with our listeners. Thank you. I really appreciate that. That is it, everyone, for another week of Women to Watch. Stay with us for my interview next week with media executive Pavlina Osta. And I hope everyone continues to stay stay safe and well, and we'll see you next week. Take care. Now, the Women to Watch, Nonprofit Watch. Good evening, Women to Watch listeners. I'm Dr. Nakia Owens, Managing Director of Financial Empowerment at the United Way of Greater Philadelphia and Southern New Jersey. Given the significant financial challenges many individuals have faced as a result of the COVID pandemic, I wanted to bring to your attention the importance of addressing financial matters and challenges head on as opposed to allowing it to manifest into something that could be much more harmful later in the future. For example, you know, Philadelphia, there are approximately 91,000 cases that are heard and that go into the civil courts. Those cases being credit card, bank debt collectors, it could be evictions and and many other things. And of the 91,000 cases that typically go through those civil courts, 97.6% of the time plaintiffs win, oftentimes leading to a judgment against the defendant. I wanted to make you aware that it's really important to um, address your financial matters when they arise and be on the lookout and mindful of any kinds of court proceedings that may be involved in terms of trying to collect that debt. Stay on top of those financial issues or challenges that you're facing. If you need support, please reach out to United Ways partner, Clarify who can assist you with those financial challenges and matters and looking at different options in terms of addressing them. If you are facing an eviction, you have the right to counsel as a recent passing of legislation within the city of Philadelphia. So please take advantage of that because most times the eviction will be basically go in the favor of the plaintiff because most of the times they have um, legal counsel. And until next time, I'm Dr. Owens, your nonprofit watch. Hi, 
Hi, Sue Rocco here, host of Women to Watch. Are you a fan of the show? If so, be sure to sign up for our podcast at womentowatch.net so you never miss a show and can listen on your own time. That's women, the number two, watch.net, N-E-T. You're listening to Women to Watch with Sue Rocco on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Hi, Sue Rocco here with an update from one of our past guests. I'm here with Charlotte Sibley. Charlotte is the principal of Sibley and Associates, and she was with us back in 2016. I can't believe it's been four years. Charlotte, tell our listeners uh, what you're working on and what you've been up to. Hello, Sue. Thank you, and Happy New Year to everybody. Since we last talked, I have been elected as the first independent director to the board of directors of Advisen, a French-based biotech company focused on renal disease. And it's been very interesting, of course, working now remotely with the pandemic. We're all on Zoom for the past almost year now. Um, I'm on the remuneration committee, uh, NomGov, and we've just elected, uh, hired a new um, CEO who will be announced later this week uh, in our um, in our uh, public relations announcement. So that's been quite an exciting opportunity. Most of the meetings are in English. Occasionally, the minutes are in French. Um, I majored in French. It's rusty, but it's been good brushing up for me. In addition, I continue to chair the board of directors of Mendelssohn Chorus of Philadelphia, which is one of the oldest, uh, second oldest mixed chorus in the United States, volunteer chorus, and the largest in the Philadelphia area. We sing generally at the Christmas season with the glorious sound of Christmas with the Philadelphia Orchestra, obviously not this year. And we are, however, doing several virtual recordings. If you look at mcchorus.org, our latest virtual recording of A Slice of Pie is by a local uh, commission from a local composer, Melissa Dunphy, with a local poet, Feminista Jones, uh, on pie. And it's a glorious video showing, uh, in addition to the singers, people eating, baking, uh, slicing pie. So these are technological and musical challenges, but we're determined to keep the community going for Mendelssohn Chorus. I continue to do um, a lot of mentoring and coaching, having had a lot of job changes in my career. Uh, it's all pro bono, and of course now either all over Zoom or the phone. Not uh, No more coffee meetings for a while. Mm. I speak occasionally, um, and one of the sad events was that my husband was diagnosed with pulmonary fibrosis. He had a lung transplant uh, about a year and a half ago, and he did not wake up from it. So it's been a challenging year for me. Uh, It was our only option. I practiced gratitude every day for the 33 years we had together. We met at a blind date to the Metropolitan Opera in New York City, um, December 4th, 1985, and we were together ever since. So I'm grateful for that for friends, for being busy with my boards and mentoring for um, the, the time that we had. And now looking forward to the new year, the vaccine. Um, I was also uh, very, very honored to receive the uh, alumni award from Middlebury College at my 50th uh, college reunion and um, have been inducted into the Insights Association as uh, one of the inaugural 
um, insight laureates, um, even though I haven't practiced <laughs> market research for a while, but bring the practice of insights to my board. So it's been a good few years, and I hope uh, in general, and um, I miss my husband terribly, and as he would say, Avanti, we go on. Charlotte, I'm so sorry to hear that about your husband. And I'm sure that you're, you know, keeping busy as you do in so many different areas is is going to be helpful. So I, I wish you a very happy new year and continued success and hope you'll stay in touch with us. Thank you. I hope so also. And thanks for the opportunity. Happy new year to all. Take care. Thank you. Next is our Coach's Corner podcast, which is a shorter version of our weekly show and can be heard wherever you get your favorite podcast. I'm BJ Gray with this week's Coach's Corner. The other day I was taking a Peloton bike class and the teacher talked about her intention to try one new small tiny thing each day. And I thought, wow, that might be the remedy I offer my clients who are feeling bored or lacking confidence right now or winter doldrums. They just have so much negative chatter and they don't have enough challenging the moment they're in. And I get it. Big goals are hard when you're in a funk, but small tiny challenges each day, just one thing can turn the boat around. So what do you want to do? Try one new tiny thing each day, something that is out of your normal routine. Maybe you speak up in a meeting. Maybe you ask someone to mentor you. Maybe you run farther up a hill or swim in the ocean instead of a pool. Try a new recipe. I know it's not normal for me to coach you guys on taking action so that you feel better because I'm always coaching you on your mindset. But the mindset that got you here and the mindset that's going to get you out is related to this action. They do come together. Action comes from the emotion you're having, and that emotion comes from how you're thinking about the situation. It's simple. As you reverse engineer the thought model, the model that is my main tool for self-awareness and mindset strategy that puts you in control, what new result would you have by trying one tiny thing a day? It can be hard to implement your intentional model, but that hard work is what makes you come alive. So ask yourself these three questions. What actions do you need to take to get that result? How do you need to feel to, ha- to take that action? Remember, all of your behavior comes from how you're feeling. And then what thought do you need to create that feeling? Go on, stop accepting what's happening to you and shake up your routine. Thanks for listening to this edition of Coach's Corner. Connect with me directly on LinkedIn or at bjgray.com. Until next time, I'm BJ from Coach's Corner. Thanks for listening to Women to Watch with Sue Rocco, a Jacob Media production. If you're interested in learning more about the power of the radio hour, contact Joe Krause at 267-261-3428. This program is a paid commercial announcement and does not reflect the views of WPHD or its management. Today's program has been pre-recorded. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.